Welcome to today's MTD podcast. Process improvements and downtime reductions is the theme of this podcast. I'm Giovanni Albanese hosting today's show, a passionate engineer with over 25 years experience and a proud member of the MTD team. Today, I'm joined by a good friend who I've known for many years within the industry. David Noakes has joined me. David's got a wealth of experience from machine tool sales and specialist work holding solutions. So welcome to this podcast, Dave. How are you, my friend? Good morning, Gio. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. You know, despite the circumstances, yeah, I'm all good. Thank so you. What, what have you been up to, Dave, during, during this lockdown period? Work-wise? Yeah, and, and uh, both, really. Well, we are restricted in, in many ways, but work-wise, you know, surprisingly, we've still been quite busy. Um, certainly for the first week, we, we got a lot of orders for uh, customers that had uh, turned over their production to the ventilator parts. And, uh, you know, we could tell who was doing them because they were all ordering the same sort of same size clamping heads and this, that and the other. So, um, you know, I'm proud that, that, you know, engineering has sort of stepped up to the mark and, uh, you know, he's, he's doing a bloody good job. That's great news, Dave, about the, uh, the orders coming in for ventilator parts and you supporting um, the production of them with your products. Um, the, the theme of this podcast, as mentioned, is process improvements and downtime reduction. So it's extremely important, especially when there's such an urgent need for these parts to be produced as efficiently as possible to have the right work holding in place. And we're going to be touching on that later on in this podcast. But firstly, Dave, you know, how did you get into engineering? You've been in engineering now for many years. It's longer than I, I remember. Well, thing is, Gio, when I left school, you know, there weren't the options that, that the kids had these days. And, you know, by and large, if you left school with a handful of O-levels, which is what I did, you know, the, the options to you were sort of engineering, garage mechanic, um, you know, there the, the weren't many many options. I'm just trying to think what, what some of my friends did. They, they went into either printing, engineering, uh, working in, a, say, garage mechanic. Um, you know, there weren't that many options. And, you know, I, I do remember at school, I, you know, I was quite good at art and I wanted to be an artist. But as soon as I started um, taking my folder around to these places, I realised that I wasn't as good as I or even <laughs> the teachers had, had sort of said I was. <laughs> so you know engineering well you know as a kid I was always into you know push bikes taking them to bits and adding bits onto them and motorbikes as well so it kind of made sense that I went into something with a mechanical bias so I've Dave to, I've got to be frank with you Gio my apprenticeship I hated it hated <laughs> every minute of it I'm surprised I'm still here why did you hate it because I did a very old traditional apprenticeship in a in a in an old Victorian factory, which you didn't see daylight from, you know, particularly in the winter months, you go in in the dark and come out in the dark, and yeah. it was it was very strict and straight laced, and you know, it, it you know it wasn't the apprenticeship that's afforded to the the kids these days. You know, you followed certain modules and. Yeah, it was like being back at school again, but without the fun. 
Yeah, I mean, we recently visited, didn't we, Dave? You know, uh, it seems a long time ago now, but it was only, I think, just before Christmas, we visited the AMRC. I mean, it wasn't like that back in the day when we did our apprentices. No, That's uh, definitely for sure. No, um, and, and as you know, Gio, we, we've set on an apprentice and, you know, I spend a lot of time with him purely on the basis that, you know, I want him to have an apprenticeship that, that if you like, I didn't have. I'm not saying my apprenticeship was bad. I learned a lot, but it was dour, to say the least. <laughs> well, I spent most of mine in the pub, I reckon, Dave, which I Did shouldn't you? really be saying that, really. But, yeah, near our uh, engineering uh, college, there was a pub. Um, so we did uh, quite often, um, you know, on our lunch break, visit the pub, the chase it was called, on uh, on Iron Lane. But anyway... Yeah. Uh, Moving on, Dave, swiftly. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're, you, from, from doing your apprenticeship, you, you know, uh, tell us about the experience you've had within the industry. I, mean, I know, you know, it's before I met you, but you used to sell machine tools. Well, what happened was, is as soon as I finished my apprenticeship, I realised that I got my, my ticket to get out, if you like. But what actually, you know, it's funny how things come by you. The, the company I was working for bought uh, had a CNC machine, and this was in the early days. This was 1979, and I thought, you know what? That's the future. I need to learn how to use that, uh, which I did. And um, uh, typically of any sort of technology at the time, it used to break down quite a lot. So the service engineer, I got to know, know quite well. And, you know, I, I spoke to him quite a lot about sort of, you know, what he did and the company. And it was a company called Matchmaker, which back in the day, 1979, there were only a handful of people doing CNC machines. It's not like it, it is now. And Matchmaker were one of the pioneers of, of the CNC, you know, mills. Most definitely, I think there was only sort of Moog. Acton, Matchmaker and Bridgeport about in those days. Wow. So, you know, I was lucky to, to pick up on that quite early doors. And in it, anyway, to cut a very long story short, um, I got a job at Matchmaker as a trainee sales guy doing the Midlands area. And um, I was there for 19 years, all told. Wow. And, um, you know, they used to sell the, 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 you know, various Japanese machines. And, um, yeah, we, you know, uh, obviously I saw all the big names coming into it. But, but, of course, the big names when I was selling machine tools were sold by dealers. They weren't direct. You know, you've got a big company in Birmingham called Elgar PMT, and they sold everything, you know, Mazak, Akuma, the whole lot. Right. You know, so, they were a one-stop shop for machine tools. It was quite something. So the industry, but, you know, I've seen how the, the, the machine tool sector evolved. And by and large, I enjoyed it, you know, and it was, I had a massive area. You know, I used to do everything from sort of Luton up to sort of Lancashire. Wow. You know, so, uh, it, you know, it kept me out of trouble for quite a bit. And, yeah. and I enjoyed it. I had a great, great boss, a guy called Blake Powell. You know, he ran, he was the MD, he owned the company, and he was fantastic. And during that sort of 19 years I was there, you know, eventually it was bought out by a company called Yamazan, a Japanese company, and it became Yamazan Matchmaker, and then Blake retired, and it never seemed quite the same again. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, the machine tool industry certainly evolved significantly over the years. Some of the new innovations that are now available, you mean you, you would not even recognize CNC machines um, today as they were, even back when I was using them and programming them on the shop floor that, that they've moved on so rapidly. Moving on from your machine tool experience um, day, which was a, a large majority of your career, you then... Um, well, this is when I got to know you, really. Um, I think you had a short spell as a teacher. Uh, but then you went in um, working with Heimbook UK when they officially opened up in the UK as, as, a, as a sole agent. What's, right. what, happened, what happened there, Dave? Well, it was funny, actually, because, uh, you know, I'd, uh, during the sort of, you know, the, the hard times and the recession of sort of 2000, 2007, uh Yamazon, who I was working for at the time, you know, basically uh, withdrew from Europe. And at the time, I'd never have got another job in uh, engineering. And, you know, there's another story to it and it can save for another day. But I ended up uh, teaching kids, 8 to 14 years old, um, maths and PE at a local wow. grammar school, <laughs> which, you know, I did enjoy. I'm glad I did it, but I'm glad I'm not doing it now. But uh, you know, engineering's a very sort of, you know, incestuous business and we all know, know each other anyway. And of course, when Nick, Nick Peter, who's who's the MD at uh, Heimbook, he he used to work for Leader Chuck Systems, who were the agent for, um, for the Heimbook product. And when Heimbook decided that they wanted to sell direct, Nick was the guy they chose. And Nick sort of, you know, him and I got together to to get it going, really, and Lucy's wife. So um, yeah, ten years ago now. And I can remember the day when I first met you, Dave, when 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 you actually took on the agency, and and ever since then we we see seen each other at nearly every exhibition and open house going in the UK. It's yeah. fair to say. <laughs> yeah, we have. We uh, indeed, and it's been it's been great to to, to know you and, and working with you over the last ten years, Dave. Now. In, in in this current climate, uh, Dave, you know, it, it is difficult at the minute, but it's great to hear that that you've kind of um, still busy and, and that you're still selling products and helping people because effectively we've always discussed this, Dave. And, um, you know, when we sell it, it's, it's about not just selling a product, but selling a solution that ultimately helps the end user. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're quite quite guilty of this, if you'd like to put it that way, Dave. Would you agree? Guilty of what exactly? Helping the end user and looking for a solution rather than just selling a product. Well, you know, the thing is, our product is a solutions-based product anyway, Geo. So, you know, people come to us who who are having, you know, a multitude of problems but you know one is set up for a start because you know the beauty of the Heimbook is it's all quick change it's modular as well so it's almost like having a, a, a Meccano set you can add to it uh, at any time and you know not just so setup's a big one accuracy you know the quick change feature they're they're the three key points for us and yeah, if I'm guilty of anything, you know, if, it, if I'm in at a customer, you know, I'll sort of look round at what they're doing and and sort of, you know, just make a suggestion, you know, have you thought of doing it this way? Yeah. And, I mean, and, for people that may be unaware 
um, of the Ironbook Solutions and technology. Can you just give a little bit of a brief overview to, to, to what it is um, from a layman's point of view? For, for people around the world that may be listening to this podcast, that have, 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 I know it's unlikely, but that may have not heard of Ironbook. Can you just try to, I know it's difficult on a podcast, but can you try <laughs> to explain what, what it actually does, Dave, and for what products and machines, tools? Okay. Well, you know, Heimbook basically is a modular work holding system that's designed for lathes and machining centres. A lot of people think that we, we're predominantly lathes, which they wouldn't be far wrong, but we do a lot of sort of stationary prismatic stuff as well. And it's all interchangeable. So in other words, if you've got a lathe with a Heimbook chuck on, you can buy a product to put on your machining centre, which will use the same clamping heads and, and modular devices that go into the lathe that will fit on the machining centre as well. So, that, so that, you know, it's all quick change and it, 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 it's, it's modular, so you can use it on either or. So that, that really brings us back <clears throat> to, the, to the beginning of the podcast nicely, really, Dave. You mentioned that you were supplying products to make the ventilator parts, and I mentioned that it's absolutely imperative that these parts get made in the most efficient way and reducing any potential downtimes because they're so urgently required. Now, you mentioned reducing setup times and keeping the spindle turning. In, in an engineering environment, this is one of the key aspects for a company to become more profitable. Um, you know, can you explain, you, you've, you've explained the way in which it's interchangeable. Can you explain the way in which it saves setup times, please, Dave? Well, one of the keys to, to, to our product is this, Geo. Yeah, one of the reasons these guys doing the ventilator parts have got in touch with us is primarily they've got a machine with Heimbook on it. So, you know, I can't tell you exactly what these ventilator parts look like or what dimensions they are. But rather, you know, they've got an order for so many parts. Rather than changing the whole work holding aspect of the machine, all they have to do is buy the collets to suit the size bar or whatever material they're holding from us. So while it's, if you like, a consumable, it's certainly not a disposable item. We generally have these on the shelf. So, you know, that is all they need to do to change over the the the, uh, the, setup. You know, the part that they're machining. So, and of course, excuse me. It's all right, Dave. It's and, all right. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so, you know, again, it, it's all about changeover and how quickly it can be done. And, uh, you know, just by buying the, the collet size that you need, you know, off you go. And the collets are quick change, so they're collapsed by a gun. Uh, you put the collet into the chuck, you release the gun, that's it. That's as, that's how long it takes to change collets on those machines. But even with the, the other products that you've got for the milling machines with the zero point, and even the chucks, the collet chucks themselves, which are, are interchangeable between a chuck a collet chuck, a chuck, and, and even a vice now on, on a on a machine, it's all zero point now. And, and, it and is the setup time, set times for that's also very quick, isn't it, David? Mm -hmm. Can you can you kind of give us an indication not only of how quick it is to set up, but the repeatability that you get also? Well, you know, the repeatability will always be based on how well 
that the the work holding has been set up to initially and you know as a company if we're we're installing the product we make sure that they're absolutely bang on and you know you can get these things running to within a couple of microns maximum and and as you know with zero point that will only follow what the main component is set up to and, and, and really what, we, what we're talking about geo is if if you if we take a chuck on a on a lathe or some sort of mandrel device on a gear cutting machine to change over the you know the the, the head if you like you know it's just, just a case of series of three three nuts and that releases the end part you take it out you put the other size in three nuts to clamp it up and it's all got you know zero point location so as long as everything's clean it goes back on and it will run to what the what the initial chuck or mandrel has been set up to which by and large i would say two microns you know is roughly where we are with those one or two microns so it's effectively simplifying the setup of a machine tool now with you having um extensive knowledge in machine tools and work holding it's safe to say that work holding certainly adds value to the machine tool and what i mean by that is you know the setup time is 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 one aspect but with your system as well you, you have a, a unique feature that you can hold on minimal excess material and it still kind of eliminates any vibration and there's lots of benefits to that can you explain to our listeners what they are well, I think the item you're talking about is the clamping head or the collet in the chuck. Now, you know, back in the days when we had multi-bore collets, you know, they they collapsed in a way that they didn't hold the part in a parallel fashion. So, in other words, they, they, they collapsed in a tapered fashion. Our clamping head collapses evenly along the length of, of the, the clamping length. So what we actually say is so long as the, the, the part is held in, from, from the front of the chuck, not the front of the collet, but you can hold on a minimum of three millimetres without it spitting the part out. So what that in effect does is that saves you on any waste stock. Um, and not just that, for, for smaller components, you're able to hold those particularly with an end stop as well, which comes standard with the chucks anyway. So, you know, you can hold on a lot smaller uh, thicknesses. Yeah, no, that's very well explained. I mean, you also do, for the lathe, you also do the, um, the internal mandrels as well to hold the parts yeah. internally. Now, we've, we, we've been looking at MTD, we've been looking at a lot of the manufacturers uh, currently uh, that have been manufacturing the ventilator parts and there has been a common theme that they seem to all be using the latest technologies to manufacture them which includes automation when we were back at emo last year uh we came onto the the, the iron book stand and to automate iron book is extremely simple as well by um changing the the setups with a robot by having the, the pins that can go into the collets and, and automate um, that. So you are at the forefront of, of, of innovations. Can you explain to anyone listening if they were looking to automate their processes at the minute, um, how they can do it with your system, please, Dave? 
Well, all that really is, Gio, and it's it, it, it's fairly simple in, in that you're able, if you like, to to run unmanned but change over the, the part during that unmanned, unmanned cycle. And what you can do is you can actually change the collet using the robot. So you just have a different gripper on the robot to pick up the collet from you know, if you like a stack at the side of, of different size collets in, in certain positions, and you can change the collets over without using the manual gun that we'd probably use in the, you know, under normal circumstances. So, yeah, that, that just enables you to, to run a wealth of different parts unmanned. And how important do you think this is at the minute d during this current climate? Uh, if I'm honest, G, I don't really know because I don't. I, I'm not fully aware of the sort of quantities that that these people are are making. I know they're big, but it's spread out across a lot of engineering companies. It's not just one engineering company making these. Um, but certainly, you know, if they're making certain, I mean, I have seen some of these ventilator parts, and they come in all shapes and sizes. And, you know, if you were if you were doing an unmanned run of, shall we say, three different types of part, you would be able to do that, you know, just if, if you had a robot to change the collet over during yeah, the cycle. So that, that is possible. But I'm not aware anybody's actually doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think for me, it, it, in my opinion, I think it's a fantastic solution and a very, as you mentioned, a very simple one that works so 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 easily and and that can be implemented by engineering companies um so simply as well um it's something that, that that if people were looking to get into automation should certainly look at in regards to to, to their work holding solution as well touching upon again that dave you know i think I, just, I mentioned it briefly but in your opinion dave you've worked with machine tools and work holding how important work holding to the process the engineering process and can you explain why i think over the years geo work holding has become a key element in in any machine tool purchase these days and i think the machine tool guys know this and you know there's a wealth of very good uh work holding companies out there um and, you know, really, at the end of the day, I, I use the analogy, it's a bit like your car. You know, you may buy a really nice car, but it's pointless having rubbish tyres on it because you're never going to get the best out of it. And the same analogy applies to a machine tool. Why spend all that money on a, you know, on a great machining centre or lathe and buy, you know, substandard work holding? It, you know, it's... It, it's a lost leader. You've you've got to buy the right work holding for the machine, and it, it just you know goes back to what we were saying. It you know it, it improves the accuracy of the, the end product that you're making. It decreases your setup time. It's user friendly, so you know the guys down on the shop floor, you know they, they they're happy using it because it makes their life easier. And you know it's it's it's. It's, it's a, you know, the sum of parts, if you like, Geo, that, mm. you know, it's not one single thing. And as I say, you know, work holding now is, is a primary factor on machine tools, definitely. I see that at, at, at all of our sort of partner shows and open houses. 
you know, the 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 uh, work holding guys are at the forefront. And it, you know, it's not just us. There's there's quite a lot of other very good companies uh, out there. Yeah, no, I, 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 you know, you know, I agree with you on that one, Dave. Now, for people that have, have listened to this podcast and that may be interested in looking at your products and buying your products, especially if they've got ventilator parts to manufacture, um, how are you dealing with the stock levels, Dave? Are, are you carrying much stock? Is there long lead times? Well, we we carry a certain amount of stock in, in the UK, but you know it's always typical that the part. The, the component that, that the customer wants we haven't got but typically at the moment we can generally get stuff from Germany because we're a German parent company we can get stuff within three to five days maximum I mean obviously you know this is a worldwide pandemic so they're having the same problems in Germany that they are that we are here but they have got you know uh, uh a reduced workforce in and you know manufacturing is still going ahead over there so we can get parts it's just the the specials that are, are difficult to get and they are on long lead times oh, brilliant david well it's been an absolute pleasure having you on today's uh mtdcnc podcast i hope you say stay safe uh, dave and, dave, and you, we'll get back to normality. everybody else out there yeah no hopefully we'll get back to normality very very soon uh, any last thoughts dave any any last messages you want to get across before i end this podcast my friend yeah i think i think that you know one thing that that really is in my mind at the moment and probably amongst all the engineers listening to this is that you know, I don't understand that why engineering, UK engineering, is not getting a big pat on the back at the moment for, for you know, the support that we, we're giving, you know, the NHS and what have you with this ventilator work. You know, and I watch the news every night and nobody actually said, you know, as, as sort of, you know, given given UK engineering the, the right sort of... Uh, pat on the back it needs you know we're, we're we're helping out here as indeed many other different companies are but you know engineering in the uk i think it's been a forgotten uh industry for a long long time and uh as as we all know who work in it you know we're in rude health and have been alive and kicking for many years and <laughs> you know i'm reasonably optimistic that when we come out of this that you know we'll still have a fairly good industry here because you know most of my customers are still working to yeah. satisfy not just ventilator work but you know we we've got a lot of customers who are in the implant business as well and these things don't stop you know people still need them and of course yeah that's another thing we need to be proud of a lot of the implant business is in in the UK, you know, here in Ireland, and nobody ever really talks about that. No, very good point, Dave. I think you're absolutely right. Um, I think that the engineering industry within the UK should be extremely uh, proud of themselves for, for what they're doing now, but what they've always yeah. been doing in the past as well. I, I hope that, you know, some good good comes from this situation that we're in, and I'm sure it will. I, I think that we're certainly becoming more patriotic than I've ever seen us before, um, yeah. and I think that that's good. I think Made in Britain should be a, a big theme um, that we should continue uh, into, long into the future, and we should look at manufacturing and 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 become as as a nation more more aware 
of what we actually do in this this fantastic industry, Dave. Absolutely. Um, Dave, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for your time. So there you have it um, from David Notes from Heimbook um, UK. They're still supplying uh, top class uh, work holding solutions for the manufacture of ventilator parts, for it, but, but also any other parts that you may still be manufacturing. Um, so please get in touch with Heimbook if you have any uh, urgent requirements. And that's the MTD podcast for today. Any questions, please send them in and make sure to subscribe to the, to, to the MTD podcast on your iPads or phones. Thanks for listening to the MTD podcast. If you found value in this episode, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. Find more episodes on mtdcnc.com.